The Home Depot's making it easy to turn your favorite moment into the perfect color for any room with the Project Color app. Upload any image, then discover the colors and paint to match. Now you're a swipe and a click closer to everything you need for your next project. Explore the most popular colors and trending palettes to find your perfect paint. Get a colorful new experience with the Project Color app, then shop our best brands with gallons starting from just $24.98 at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. See store for details. The Home Depot's making it easy to turn your favorite moment into the perfect color for any room with the Project Color app. Upload any image, then discover the colors and paint to match. Now you're a swipe and a click closer to everything you need for your next project. Explore the most popular colors and trending palettes to find your perfect paint. Get a colorful new experience with the Project Color app, then shop our best brands with gallons starting from just $24.98 at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. See store for details. Welcome, everyone, to episode 259 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to talk about the FIBA World Cup that is starting later this week, especially in the wake of the Americans' first loss in 79 games in more than a decade. It suddenly seems like Team USA is no lock to win gold. So we will talk. We'll do a whole preview of Team USA and the biggest threats to them. Before we get into all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Uh, you can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted by Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. We're finally going to have some basketball. I've been I've been missing basketball. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we're, we're on Twitter. We're seeing like Andrew Luck retire and all the bad takes come out <laughs> and just the vitriol and hatred all around. So I'm I miss, you know, just returning to the game of basketball a little bit so we can get a break from all the nastiness. Right. It'll be nice to get a break from Andrew Luck retirement bad takes and Popeye's chicken sandwiches, which is <laughs> basically all Twitter has been for the last week. So, more you and I are not international basketball experts, admittedly. So, because of that, we brought in a ringer. We brought in Brandon Jefferson, who has been writing, doing excellent work for the basketball writers, uh, covering this tournament, doing a preview round, basically group by group, and also talked about the biggest threats to Team USA. So, Brandon, how's it going, man? How's it going, guys? Thank you for having me. Uh, excited to join and hopefully not mispronounce every name that I mentioned today. <laughs> I promise you'll do better than we will. Um, so before we get into it, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Jefferson underscore hoops. Um, I work for the basketball writers, as you mentioned, staff writer covering the NBA and FIBA. I also freelance for the Step Back fan NBA blog page, and I also cover the Atlanta Hawks for the B-Ball Index. So you can find all my stuff around the web, follow at Jefferson underscore hoops, and you'll get it all in one spot. Very good, yeah. Going to be an invaluable cover, especially these next couple weeks as this tournament gets underway. So now that Team USA's roster is finalized, I figure let's start there. Because that's kind of been the big story of the tournament so far is just how many people dropped out from this roster. We went from having you know, possibly James Harden and Anthony Davis to Harrison Barnes and Brooke Lopez. So the, the final 12, Kyle Kuzma got cut and or injured, whichever conspiracy theory you believe. So the final 12 is Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Miles Turner, Kemba Walker, and Derek White. You still have some star talent with Walker, Mitchell, even Chris Middleton. You have four Celtics, which makes me happy that they took that L on Friday. But clearly this is one of the weaker groups that we've sent abroad, you know, in more than a decade probably. So, Brandon, what stands out to you as the strengths and weaknesses of of this team going into this tournament to not you know pile on the negative to begin i think we'll start with the strengths 
And Good. easily, it's the guards and the wings. Um, you mentioned that they have Donovan Mitchell, they have Kemba Walker, they have the two Celtics that everyone's loved for years, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton as well, just made his first All-Star game. That collection is really going to tell us a lot about how this group does overseas. Mitchell has kind of struggled in the exhibition. He's been inefficient. He's taken a lot of mid-range pull-ups. I know the three isn't really his game, but he needs to work more on getting to the rim, focus on being a threat at the basket. But I think that will come. I think it's you know the new lane, the rules, no defense three seconds, stuff like that. It's kind of throwing him for a loop. Kemba Walker has easily been the best player on this team. Um, he single-handedly carried us to victory over Australia in the first match, and he almost single-handedly brought us back against them when we lost. If he can kind of be the bellwether for this group, I think that's going to be what we need. Um, we've heard before that, you know, everyone has a great year after playing with Team USA. We saw Kevin Durant really cement himself in 2010 out in Turkey when he was 21 years old. We saw Kyrie Irving kind of lead the team four years later. I think it's Kemba's turn now. He's been in Charlotte. He's been an all-star. Everyone kind of looked at him like, oh, he's nice. You know, he's good for where he's at. If he really wants to take that step, going to Boston helps. But being the guy on Team USA is really going to help elevate his star. That that all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's not that they don't have talent. They clearly have 12 NBA guys and 12 good NBA players at that. But, you know, it, it definitely is not like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant. This is it's a step down from where we've been in the past. And, you know, we'll see what happens next year with the actual Olympics. But first things first, we have to get through this tournament. So what stands out to you about this final roster? You mean outside of Mason Plumley? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, honestly, I, I, I kind of like the fact that it's not necessarily all the superstars because I like competition, and I think we will have a much more fair fight uh, you know, in all the USA games. I still have the USA as my favorites, and I think they will win it ultimately. But but just having, you know, a team that isn't, you know, dimensions better than even the second-best team in the tournament is going to increase... You know, the level of interest in the World Cup, which means a lot of people could look at it and go, hey, you know what, this basketball thing might actually be interesting. Because I, so many times I've heard in the past when Team USA just steamrolled everyone, it was like, oh, why should we watch? It's it's boring. Like, they're going to win with 50. Like, there's no competent, you know, competition in it anymore, yada, yada, yada. All that goes away this time around. I mean, yes, I still think they'll win probably every game, but we just saw them lose to Australia. And this roster is not as top-heavy as it could be, so I'm just generally looking forward to them matching up against teams that aren't as as deep either, and having a interesting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the that's kind of been what Team USA has been in the past. You know, all these international teams have the advantage of continuity and playing with one another, whereas Team USA, it's literally just cobble together the best collection of players you can hope they come together in three weeks and just because they have such top-end talent usually that wins out well this time that isn't the case and even you know i mentioned the celtics earlier well kemba walker hasn't played with these guys before they are also still developing chemistry with one another you know jalen brown marcus smart and jason tatum obviously have but aside from that it's a bunch of guys who haven't played together only played together in all-star games are now coming together. Not even All-Star games, I guess, because Chris Middleton and Kemper are the only two who have ever made the All-Star team. Uh, or I guess maybe Brooke Lopez did, too, at one point. But, Brooke Lopez did, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, oh, wow. But, 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 it's, but it's it is interesting. I mean, this is, like, the worst team the U.S. the U.S. have sent over to, like, a major tournament since, you know, the Olympics in 1988 when yeah. you didn't allow professionals to participate. <laughs> right. Um and, and, you know, some people will look at that as a major failing on part of Team USA. Uh, I don't I don't agree with that. I think it's completely fair for those who have just withdrawn and said, hey, you know what? I'm not getting paid as much <laughs> from doing this. I'm getting paid from my club. Mm-hmm. I, I want to dedicate my time there. I mean, we're seeing how NBA players are, you know, at times falling like flies in terms of injuries. Right. So injury prevention is the name of the game in the NBA these days. 
I totally get it. And I don't harbor any, you know, ill will towards anyone who opted out. I think that's all fair. And it's, but still, I mean, we're looking at this as it's some sort of scrap heap. It's really not. I mean, right. when you look at it, what are, the, the worst player on this team, I just mentioned him, is Mason Plumley, <laughs> And how, like, he would still be, what, in this overall tournament, if you remove every other American there, if you just put him in a, in a non-US uh, tournament, like, he would be a top 10 player probably. Mm-hmm. So, it's, they're still insanely deep, insanely good, insanely athletic, lots of shooting uh, ability, lots of driving ability. Slashing. I think Derek White especially. I think he'll do so well in international competition, especially when it starts to count. He seems like one of those guys who who just you know does everything right regardless of how the rule sets are, the shortened three point line, whatever. I think it's just oh he'll do great. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the defections more because Brandon, before we get into the competition that they're going to be facing in a little while, uh, I wanted to ask you about that since it. You know, there was such a wave of big names pulling out. Do you think this is kind of a one-time anomaly, both based on the fact this isn't the Olympics, and we had so much player movement this summer that a lot of guys have kind of cited, I just want to get ready for the season. Like, I'm playing on either a new team or with a whole bunch of new teammates. Next summer's free agent class is not nearly as star-studded, I think. We're probably not going to see as much player movement as we did. So, do you think next year, you know, we're going to have the same problem heading into the Olympics, or do you think we're going to have like, you know, the A team back in place for the Olympics? I think anyone who's worried, twenty twenty will definitely cure your ills. It's in Tokyo, which is one of the biggest markets in the world. It's the Olympics, which you know we as Americans champion above all else. So, I definitely think the twenty twenty team will be one to remember. But in general, I think USA basketball is at a crossroads. We heard Popovich uh, offer up that maybe, you know, the World Cup team becomes like a 23 and under group just because this is the era of load management. The stars want to keep their bodies fresh. They've seen the stats. They've seen the numbers, the analytics, all that. It's out there for them to look at. Kawhi Leonard just probably had the best season of any player ever. He took 24 games off during the season just to rest. So putting that on top of a four, six-week stretch of international competition that's much more physical than what we see in the NBA just because they let people get away with more, the game's a little different, stuff like that. I don't know if there'll be as many people coming back. I don't think we'll ever see a team like this again either. I just think Mm. this situation was kind of the worst situation because usually the World Cup, which was the World Championships before, happened every two years, and the Olympics happened every two years. So you kind of had that little break in between with this rebranding of it as the World Cup, because honestly, as more mentioned, we really don't care about the World Championships. It wasn't really much <laughs> of a thought for anybody until we right. kind of lost one. Then everyone was like, oh my God, what's happening? We lost. And then we kind of came back and was like, well, we're still the best team ever. We just put everyone there. And then it was gone away again. So the World Cup hasn't been a big deal for us. And with FIBA rebranding it, it's later in the summer now. It's going from August to mid-September. Even the NBA season had to get pushed back because of it. I just think this was the wrong mix of things for everyone involved. Especially, like you said, with all the movement, the Warriors are gone. The NBA is wide open. Um, The Rockets want to finally get there. The Lakers have to work in LeBron and AD. The East is wide open once more. This was just a big, big mess from the get-go. I think we're kind of seeing that now in the roster. But just to touch on the USA team before we move on, I think this is a summer that we'll see someone break through. Derek Wright, I think, was a great suggestion. I think he's ready to take that next step. But maybe Chris Middleton cements himself as an all-star level player. People were kind of you know, turning their eyebrows out at him getting the contract that he did. Or maybe Jalen Brown finally realizes and put his whole game together. Jason Tatum takes that next step. You know, there's just people waiting to break through. There's Miles Turner, too. He could become the next great big man or something like that in this kind of setting. So I just think we don't have the A-list names, but this is not like a B team as everyone wants to call it out. This is still probably top 50-ish roster, except Mason Plumley, obviously. 
but everyone <laughs> in this group is probably a top 50, 60 player in the NBA, which is better than any of these other countries can do. So I think we should still win. It's just not going to be 20-point wins every game like we're accustomed to. Right. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. I remember uh, another factor for some of these defections was a couple of these guys are also taking international trips with their teams in September. And it was like, okay, well, I'm going to play in the World Cup till you know September 15th, I think, is the final date. And then, like, yep. I have to get back on a flight to China or India, like, a week later. That's just a lot of wear and tear on your body before the season even starts. So I think, yeah, but as you said, Brandon, it's kind of just a confluence of events that led to this type of thing happening. Um, and I'm not, I'm not super worried about the Olympics next year. I would assume we're not going to send Mason Plumley, but <laughs> I guess we'll find <laughs> out in a year. The streak will continue. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point, though, about, you know, every year I feel like we see or every time we see Team USA, there's always someone who does take that big step forward. And especially given the vacuum of top tier talent, you know, Kemba, you would assume is going to be the leader of this team. Mitchell as well. But yeah, I mean, they have they do have a bunch of young guys, even, you know, a Harrison Barnes, who is off maligned because of how much he gets paid. He's still young enough that he could, in theory, take another step forward in this tournament. So it'll be that that's going to be one really good thing for NBA fans to monitor uh, just because we have so many young guys and you want to see, okay, yeah, does Miles Turner break out? You know, Derek White, we saw it in the playoffs this past year. You know, can he stand out on this roster? Does he cement himself as kind of that next foundation piece for the Spurs? We'll we'll find out in the coming weeks. And just to jump in, this is also going to be a tournament of who isn't there. I know we just went through the Americans that withdrew and pulled out, but Australia is missing Ben Simmons and Dante Exum. Canada is missing R.J. Barrett, Jamal Murray, Andrew Wiggins, Tristan Thompson, <laughs> SGA. The Dominican Republic doesn't have Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, New Zealand doesn't have Stephen Adams. Nigeria doesn't have OG Ananobi. Puerto Rico doesn't have JJ Barea. Russia doesn't have Alexis Vet or Timothy Moskov. Spain's missing Paul Gasol, Sergio Rodriguez, Nikola Mirotic, Serge Ibaka. Serbia's without Milos Teodosic. Senegal doesn't have Taco Fall or Gorgi Deng. So it's really everyone's kind of hurting going into this group. And it's really making it a more wide open tournament. And like Mort said, I'm all for competition. I'm really looking forward to this because I can't tell you right now who's going to win it. I think the U.S. is the best team. But if you gave me odds, I probably wouldn't pick them to win it. I would take the field. Interesting. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now Encova Insurance. Got plans for Labor Day weekend? Do they include saving money? Because Labor Day savings at the Home Depot means up to 40% off appliance special buys. Get a quiet-running Whirlpool dishwasher that senses how dirty your dishes are and adapts its cleaning cycle. It's just $378, so you'll save $200. Sounds like a plan. See why with Labor Day savings, today is the day for doing. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through September 11th. Yeah, let's get into the other teams they're facing since we just mentioned, you know, who who isn't there. Um, you wrote a great piece for uh, the basketball writers at bballwriters.com, ranking their biggest threats. So can you just walk us through some, I mean, clearly, let's start with Australia, who you mentioned <laughs> in your piece, just because they are the ones who snapped that 78-game winning streak. What makes Australia a threat? You know, as you mentioned, Ben Simmons and Dante Exum aren't there. We did see Patty Mills. He had 30 points in that exhibition game. Who else on Australia can give us some problems? Joe Ingles, I think, is the main issue just because he does everything well, and you really can't focus on him because then they have Patty Mills running around eight different screens like you saw in the loss. <laughs> but when Joe Ingles is in in rhythm, playing with confidence, and especially when he's working out picking rolls and off screens. He's a very good international player, and he's also a very good NBA player. But he's kind of the guy, if he's going in any way, that doesn't mean he needs 20 points. But if he has, like, 
12, 5, and 6, he's going to kill you with the 12, 5, and 6 that he gets. Also, Andrew Bogut, we saw um, how great he was helping the Golden State Warriors become the juggernaut that they were. His passing, his ability to defend the hoop, his rebounding, that's a big issue. Aaron Baines has become a lights-out three-point shooter, and the FIBA mm-hmm. line is even closer than the NBA line, so that's a layup for him now. Then they also have Matthew Delvadova, everyone's favorite, you know, pesky guard. He really champions the whole physicality difference that you'll see. He loves to get away with the little hand tugs, the little forearm shiver, stuff like that. And it's just kind of annoying, especially for NBA players, because you don't deal with that in the league. You don't you get that call, you know, you can kind of bump him off you. But overseas, if he's pushing, pulling, tugging, all that, and you make one little slight move and he flops and falls eight feet away from you, it's a foul <laughs> on you. And there's nothing you can right. do about it. And you're not going to get that call at all, no matter how much you complain about it. So I think basically the big, big thing with Australia and what we kind of saw when they beat us the other day is the Rio Olympics in 2016. They really made that step forward. But they played a read and react kind of free system where they're not really running plays per se but they're just making reads and taking what the defense gives them. And when that's Patty Mills curling off three screens for open three, he's going to make it, you know, 40% of the time. And with the shorter game, it's 40 minutes as opposed to 48. Those quick spurts that Australia can go on really can, you know, kind of hold for the long run as opposed to in the NBA game where a team goes on a run, you know, the other team's going to have the chance to make up that time. So Australia's continuity, their offense – and just their overall physicality, I think, is a big reason why I see them as a threat. But I rank them low just because of the group they're in. Now, mm-hmm. every, you know, FIBA and international competition and stuff like that has the group of death. And Australia is that one for this tournament. They are in Group H, which features Lithuania, Senegal, and Canada, along with themselves. All four of those teams could Nah, I wouldn't say metal, but could definitely make it to like a quarter or a semifinal game. So two of those teams are not even going to make it out to begin with. And if Australia is one of the two that don't, obviously the USA doesn't have to worry about them. But if they do get out, that's a team that they could see early in the knockout stage and could really, you know, upset them like we saw the other night. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm still triggered by Aaron Baines shooting threes, as more and our <laughs> listeners know. So... I, for for our sake, I, I hope TVUSA could avoid Australia at all costs. Um, I th- you had France fourth on your list. You know, Tony yes. Parker, Boris Diaw are no longer there. Rudy Gobert is the main piece. Who else on France scares you? People might laugh when I say this, but Frank Tilikina could be mm-hmm. a big issue for us internationally. He hasn't made it with the Knicks yet. Um, I think he was kind of positioned in a spot where he really wouldn't excel. Um, he was a lottery pick going to New York, Bright Lights, Big City. Everyone thinks you know he should be Derrick Rose or something like that just because he was taken high. But what he really is is a 3 and D guard. And in international play, that is huge. He can play pick and rolls with Gobert. He can defend four or five positions on the court at any time. He's just really going to be around the ball, making plays at any time. So I think he's a name to definitely watch out for that people might not think of when they first look at the France roster. Um, Evan Fournier, Nick Batum, those are probably the two other big names besides Gobert. They're also steady players. Fournier kind of has some Patty Mills in him in his international game where he'll just chuck. It doesn't matter if he's open, if he's covered, if he's missed his last five shots. He has the belief when he's wearing those France colors that he is going to make a shot and he's going to beat your team. So he's someone else that they can't let get off, and especially with the defections of P.J. Tucker, Marcus Smart kind of nursing an injury too. We didn't see him play too much against Australia in the second game. It's going to be interesting to see who's the guy they go to to stop the other team's best player. Um, They kind of used Jalen Brown for a stretch against Patty Mills. They ended up with Campbell Walker and Donovan Mitchell. None of those really worked because, as you saw, he ended with 30. But... Just those three, I think, are the ones to watch out besides Gobert because in international play, as I mentioned before, you can sit in the paint. And when you're seven foot two with a seven nine wingspan and you don't have to really step out, you're a terror. We see Gobert affect NBA games that way, and he has to move out the paint every three seconds or cover pick and rolls. 
and that's not mm-hmm. going to be the same. USA is, of course, going to attack him that way, but he still has the ability to just kind of clog up the lane. And I think that's going to be a big deal if those two teams do meet. Interesting. What the thing that stood out to me so far, both with them and Australia, is I know Bogut and Baines and even Jonah Bolden aren't like elite bigs. They're not Rudy Gobert, but both of these teams do have kind of those like bruising bigs inside, which seems like something that Team USA lacks. Depending, you know, Miles Turner is more of a stretch five, and he's still somewhat. He's not like two hundred and eighty pounds yet. Brooke Lopez has reinvented himself as a stretch five. Mason Plumley is probably our best bet in terms of having that type of frame. But do you think that's kind of a weakness that other teams are going to try to exploit for of U- Team USA in this tournament? For sure. I mean, for all the jokes we make about Mason Plumley, you're spot on. He's probably our beefiest center who really plays physically and will be in the paint. Uh, Brooke Lopez has made the transition to a three-point shooter, and he'll defend the rim, but he's not really forceful in his defense. So I can definitely see teams. You saw Baines kind of put his head down in attack. Uh, Bogut finished with, I think, 16 or 18 points in the win, which was huge for them. So teams will definitely try to attack us in the paint, which could mean our guard play and our wings are going to be even that much better defensively. Also for France, um, Nando DiColo is a name I definitely need to mention. Um, he started with the Spurs, didn't really click over there. But overseas, he's been a EuroLeague um, all-star time after time. He's won, I think, two championships overseas. And he's the same way where he can create his own shot. He can facilitate for others. He's just a really solid player. So France, I think, is a team that has the talent and the names to do well. But usually, for some reason or another, in tournament settings, they just fall on their face. We remember um, Nick Batum with the crotch shot a couple of years ago, <laughs> things like that. It's just they combust for the most random reasons, and especially not having the guys like Tony Parker and Boris Diaw, who were their solid veterans there. It's just a team that can go either way very quickly. Yeah, for sure. And they also have Elliot Kobo on that roster, right? Yep, don't forget about Ellie. Um yeah, I don't know if he made the final roster, but they do list Theo Maldon, who's an interesting okay. kid. He's a 2020 prospect, a solid point guard. He actually plays for Tony Parker's club team in France. He's a big guard. He knows his way around the court, uh, solid in his play, can knock down an open shot or two. So they really have a roster top to bottom that I think is more like what we're used to seeing from Team USA, where it's just kind mm-hmm. of talent and youth and all this kind of mix in one that could produce on this international stage. They have the length and the athleticism to be a defensive force. So it's going to be interesting to see how France looks in comparison to this group for Team USA. But I just think the names, the talent is there for them to really do something big this summer. For sure. And more... I'm, I'm so glad. Sorry to, to jump in. I'm so glad you brought up Theo Maladin here. Um, so obviously we're not entirely sure about the final rosters here because we haven't really found anywhere official. And so far they have 14 members on their, their official roster in terms of the FIBA website. So mm-hmm. we have to see if something happens. I really hope that Theo makes the team. He's so interesting to me. Like you mentioned, he can hit a shot, but he's also like a big guard. He can, he can drive, he can slash, he can, and he's so well-rounded when it comes to passing. Like, he can pass off the drive in full speed in a standstill. When he gets into the post and he gets into trouble, he'll find, like, passing angles. He'll just kind of figure him out. He's so intelligent. I'm looking forward to to seeing him spread his wings in this tournament, assuming he gets minutes. Um, Yeah, so so good shout there. Brian, you have a guy on Team USA as well, Matthias Lasor, that the Sixers have rights to. I think they actually trade... If memory serves, they traded him to the Clippers in part of the Jimmy Butler deal. They did? Oh, no. I think so. Okay. So, no reason for you to watch France, then. <laughs> yeah. Well, well we're, we're going to get to Serbia in a minute, and that's uh, that's where their that's international the guy is. Yeah, but, uh, Mort, I wanted to give you a chance to just, if Okobo does make that roster, what should Team USA watch out for for him? I mean, he... I don't think he got a chance to really assert himself in the NBA last season, partly because he played for the Suns. 
and the Suns are just such a train wreck of an organization. <laughs> uh, he's a scorer. I mean, the year before he entered the league, he had, I think, a 44-point game, which is very uncommon, especially for someone that young in a European setting. Um, he shoots the ball so well, lefty, can drive, can facilitate his own offense, isn't isn't a great playmaker, but will make like the obvious passes. Like, he is a souped-up... His potential is a souped-up version of Patty Mills. Like, if everything goes right. And you know, I don't know if the Phoenix kind of hindered his development any, but I'm interested to seeing if he just kind of reverts back to being this very, very interesting and intriguing young prospect when he hits the floor for France instead of, you know, in a Phoenix uniform. So, more, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is Popovich will trade for Okobo after the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> He should be. He should be. I mean, look, Pop is probably using this as one large scouting trip. Like, he, in his, his mind is like, Team USA, yeah, sure, that's the secondary. I'm here to scout guys. I'm here to find all the guys to, to put on the Spurs. I don't want a single American on this team after I'm done with it. <laughs> that sounds right. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward. Building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Uh, so number three on your list, Brandon, was Spain. You already mentioned the guys they don't have, Pau Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Nikola Mirotic, but they do have, uh, who, which names, I guess, will NBA fans recognize and who, who stands out as the biggest threat? The usual suspects will be Ricky Rubio, Rudy Fernandez, Marc Gasol, Willie Hernan Gomez, Juan Hernan Gomez, and Sergio Yule who hasn't come over to the NBA yet, but the Rockets remind us every summer that they have his rights. That group <laughs> yeah. of five or six players really is the strength of this team. They've been together, I think, one of them, say, two or three cycles now. Most of them have been playing together since they were teenagers. They really just understand and know each other. Their head coach, Sergio Scariolo, was really one of the first international coaches to kind of get, you know, champion as among nba caliber types so this is just a really solid team and that's been their mo basically since 2008 they've been one of our stingiest competitors um i think over the last decade they're really the only team to give us close games even when we have our a-list guys just because they understand the game they understand the rules they have all have high basketball iq they usually go 10 or 11 deep they just have a random guy come off the bench who you never heard of before but He'll hit like two threes or he'll make the rebound that we thought we would get. It's just the little things that they do at such a high level consistently that makes them a very, very scary team. And then you add on the talent. You know, we know the NBA guys have it. And the ACB is often championed as the second best league outside of the USA. So they just are a team that's really put together, really solid. They you know, make the most of the international rules and the changes and things like that. And they're just very solid top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, we all know, we remember the last couple Olympics where they were one of our toughest challenges. Um, you mentioned in this post that they're on the opposite side of the bracket, which seems good. That means they can only face Team USA in the finals. Um, who, Which teams are on their side of the bracket that might trip them up before they even make it to the finals? The team that I mentioned at the top of my post that we we're going through was Greece. They are on the same side of the bracket. Um, obviously, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who should scare the living daylights out of everybody, um, FIBA or NBA. 
And just his ability to take over games single-handedly is something that I don't know if many countries have had outside the U.S. And his play is just only getting better. Um, he kind of has a new form on his jump shot. It doesn't look as robotic anymore. And if that's going down, especially with the closer distance for the three-point line, um, I just say watch out, Globe. Another team who's in their group who I didn't mention, but I think Turkey is really a team that mm-hmm. kind of could put a scare into us, especially in the early stages if we're not coming prepared to play. They have Ersan um, Ilyasova, Semi Erdan, who kind of had a cup of tea in the NBA. They have Chetty Osman, um, Scotty Wilbekin. I don't know if you guys remember him from Florida. He somehow became a nationalized Turkish citizen, so he's on the group. <laughs> But they're just solid enough that, especially with the people that we don't have this year, that they could be someone that, you know, if we get into a tight tight game within the group, I would expect it to come from Turkey. Uh, another team is Brazil. They're not, you know, the best of the best. They kind of have some defections this year, too. But they're still a team that really knows how they want to play and have a certain style. They like to go fast, up and down, they press us occasionally. We kind of struggled with Australia's press at time in the exhibition. That's another group to watch out for. France, I mentioned, they're on the same side. And then that group of death, whatever two teams come out of Group H, the Canada, Senegal, Lithuania, Australia, the two teams that come out of there are definitely two to watch. I think, um, if my memory serves me correct, I think USA will match up with the Group H team anyway. So if USA finishes atop their group, they'll play the second finishing team from Group H, and that could actually end up being Australia. So they could face them for a third time, or they could get Canada in the second round, who isn't as great. I mentioned they don't have Barrett, SGA, Tristan, and stuff, people like that, but they're still solid. They kind of have like a tier below us in terms of NBA players who are actually are on the roster. But they've been coming up. They've been building for this moment. And I think this year and 2020 are probably the really scary years for Canada, given the talent that they have in the pipeline. So I think those three, four teams are kind of the ones to watch out for once knockout stage starts. But if the USA advances to the finals, like we believe they will, Spain and then Serbia, the next team that we'll talk about, are the two that probably could take them down in a final. Gotcha. Yeah, so let's let's go right into Serbia then. Obviously, Nikola Jokic is the headliner, you know, a MVP caliber player in the NBA. Uh, but who else on Serbia should get our attention? They have everyone's favorite center, Boban Marjanovic. Um, <laughs> they have Nemanja Bjelica, who is part of that King Serbian connection. And then they have Marko Guterich, who just signed with the Memphis Grizzlies this offseason. But the one person that actually scares me the most, because for some reason, like Jokic and Giannis, as great as they are, I don't know if their international teams really know how to play through them just yet. We kind of see them not really go through them. They want to run a set. They want to run a system, per se, instead of just giving the ball to the best player. That's more of an American concept. But uh, Bojan Bajanovic for Serbia, um, not the one in now in Utah, but the Bajanovic in Sacramento, completing that Serbian connection that the Kings have going on. He is kind of Patty Mills-esque in that he's a gunner. He's going to let the shots go. He'll come off a screen. He'll stay 30 feet out and just bomb away. But he's a guy who, if he's connecting and he's in a groove, he can easily get them 30 points in like the blink of an eye. And he's very, very confident in his skills. He knows his place on the team. Um, their system kind of helps him. He comes off pin downs a lot. He's running around screens. They'll set a double screen off ball for him, and then he'll screen a big just to pop out. It's kind of fun to watch as a viewer just to see the movement and the action that he's involved in. But I think if he's on or if he's feeling good that day, he could really be someone that USA looks back and is like, we really should have done better guarding him. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So Ser- Serbia's got size too. Like yes. they their smallest player is six foot five. They average six nine on their roster. That's the yes. average height. Yeah, they they're Yikes. basically playing much like Philly did last year. 
Yeah. The scariest thing actually about Serbia is that they're just so confident that they're better than us. Um, their coach mm-hmm. was quoted as saying, if we meet Team USA, may God help them. <laughs> so they're just, their mindset is just, we're the best team here, we're better. Um, they've been our opponent in the Olympic final and the previous World Championship final, but we blew them out both times. But we also had much better rosters. So I think, especially with Jokic's development and him kind of taking a higher uh, seat in the pecking order for the Serbian national team, I think it could really be a team that we're just not up to defeating if we face them in the final. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying earlier with, you know, I mentioned Australia and France have these big burly centers Jokic too and again like the American team aside from Mason Plumley, really doesn't have that so you know we were talking about who needs to break out well it seems like it's either going to be Plumley or Miles Turner is going to have to do work on Jokic to slow him down if you the Americans do cross paths with Serbia at any point um the last team on your list was Greece. They were your number one threat to the Americans. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP, is the headliner. Is he the main, or like the the reason you picked them, or were there other guys on the team uh, that could give some trouble to the Americans as well? Giannis is clearly the reason they are the top threat, but this is not a team that's just going to roll the ball out and say, Giannis you know, do your thing, save us, mm-hmm. take us all the way. Nick Calathis at point guard is probably going to be the most fun point guard to watch with Teodosic sitting out with an injury. Um, his, you know, ability to see the court, his vision, the way he passes, the fakes he makes, the plays he makes that you don't see coming, they're really at a high level. And for someone who's not an NBA player, that's something that you don't often see. His ability is definitely something that will help this team in the long term. And then also they have some, not fringe guys, but they just have a lot of people who can do their jobs at a high level. And that's basically what you need when you are trying to beat a team like Team USA. Um, Donasis Antetokounmpo, Giannis's brother, is one of those guys. They also have former uh, MVPs of the Greek League. They lost someone to a knee injury during exhibition play that I can't think of off the top of my head. But it's a solid team. They probably go seven, eight deep. And it's just, like I was saying before we came on, they know their roles. Mm -hmm. They know this is Giannis and everyone else kind of thing. But it's not that way because, you know, they're scrubs. It's just Giannis is that much better as a player that you kind of need to fall in line around him. Um, Kostas Papanikolaou was one of the other guys I was talking about. Uh, everyone's favorite king, Georgis Papianis, is listed <laughs> as part of the roster. I haven't seen him play with them yet, but that would be a kind of a ironic twist if he ends up, you know, playing a bigger role for the team that takes down Team USA. It's just this group, I think, is enough of a team that just having the best player or the second best player, depending on how you feel on Giannis and Jokic, on their team is enough to get them above and past the Americans. Gotcha. Yeah, and you mentioned that you know the Serbians won't necessarily just hand the ball to Jokic and go through him. They want to run a system. Are the Greeks the same way, or do they realize, like, you know, we're, we need Giannis to score 50 to beat the Americans? They haven't fully um, delved into that philosophy yet. I watched a couple of the exhibition games. They played Serbia in the exhibition game, actually, which was really fun. It went to overtime. Uh, the Nasus hit a three to tie it up to send it into overtime. So that was a really fun game. You can look on, like, the FIBA YouTube page and watch the replay of that. But with Kalathis on the team, they like having him with the ball a lot. But I think they're starting to learn, and Giannis is just such a talent that he gets the ball when he needs to. So like he'll get the rebound and push. Um, he'll make a steal or a block and push. Or he'll just be ahead of the pack and get the outlet. Things like that. 
where you don't really need him to run an offense or things like that, he's really excelling at for this team. And I think that is the reason why he puts them as the biggest threat for the Americans. And I think we need to mention Costa Slaukas is too. Um, you know, six six guard, usually elite guard for Fenerbahce. I can play the two as well. Just an extremely efficient shooter. Uh, last year, I, I think it was over ninety from the line, forty five from three, and and like over fifty percent from the field as well. Just one of those stable shooters who doesn't ever take a bad shot. Like very under control all the time. Like the exact kind of presence you need. That when Giannis gets the ball and he goes, you know, full court speed. If somehow that is muddied up, like he's right there stepping into an open three. So he's going to play like a huge role for Greece uh, if if the situation arises at least. For sure. The only worry with Giannis is that in the FIBA game, you can kind of load up more. Uh, sort yeah. of those Tom Thibodeau, you know, defenses that we saw him throw at LeBron when he was with the Celtics. Those are more common for him. So if he can figure that out and find the way to be more effective against them, I don't see why Greece wouldn't win this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, if anything, what stands out about Greece in the American perspective is, you know, we mentioned guards and wings are kind of the strength of this U.S. team. But I'm looking up and down this roster, and I don't see a single guy who could guard Giannis. More, do you see, you know, PJ Tucker's not there. It's like Harrison Barnes, Chris Middleton. Like, there, <laughs> there's no one with the size and the speed and the physicality that can really do anything to slow Giannis down it, right? Let me just ask you this question. Like, who in the NBA could slow Giannis down? Like, of the best of the best, right? I mean, yeah. Al Horford had some success, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. Like, who who else really gave him ju- gave him fits? Like, Kawhi at times. At times. And like, Embiid. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But that that's about it. So yeah. when you then take it to, like, this kind of B-list U.S. squad. No, it's unfair to call him a B-list. But it's it's not the top flight, guys. Right. No, the answer is no. There's nobody there who can really stop Giannis. If those two match up, you know, he's going to go off or whatever. 35, 40, doesn't matter. It, it's all about keeping all the other ducks in a row and make sure that you limit perimeter shots and, and you know, let him get his. Just mm-hmm. don't make him a facilitator and a passer. I, I do think Greece is also kind of concerned with, you know, the minutes load. Uh, they have limited Giannis's minutes, at least initially. He's been playing, you know, 20 minutes mostly here and there. So I, I think they might give him a little bit more free reign against the U.S., but it depends. If the U.S. comes up with a big lead initially... Then I think they sit him. So there are many variables that we need to consider. But no, they don't have anyone to to guard Giannis. Uh, they they do have a lot of pieces to to guard the rest of Greece. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, this is going to be one of those teams' hardened things. Like let him go off or whatever, and then just stop everyone else. Yeah, I think you make a good point yeah. with the minutes, Mort. And their group features New Zealand, Brazil, Montenegro. Um, no one in there really should scare them per se. So we could see right. even arrested Giannis come into the quarterfinals and knockout stage, and then they make the push to give him the 30, 35 minutes that we're used to seeing. Yeah, that that could definitely be a situation. I mean, yeah, if they could just hover him around the 20, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if they just save him for the important games. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. Right. In your attic, fully covered means fully insulated. If you can see your rafters, you're losing heat and money. But with the Home Depot, it's easy to add blow-in insulation yourself in just a few hours. And you'll save up to 15% on heating and cooling costs for years to come. Today is the day for doing. So cover up before winter gets here. Right now, get a free blow-in machine rental when you purchase 10 bags or more of select blow-in insulation. Only at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing. Got plans for Labor Day weekend? Do they include saving money? Because Labor Day savings at the Home Depot means up to 40% off appliance special buys. Get a quiet-running Whirlpool dishwasher that senses how dirty your dishes are and adapts its cleaning cycle. It's just $378, so you'll save $200. Sounds like a plan. See why with Labor Day savings, today is the day for doing. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through September 11th. 
So let's wrap up, guys, with some predictions for the tournament. Uh, Mort, I'll let you go first. You you said it earlier. You know, you still think Team USA probably wins this, but you know, after hearing the breakdown of kind of their biggest threats, who stands out to you as you know the the most concerning among them? And do you think Team USA? Uh, you know, what what percentage chance, I guess, do you think Team USA has to walk away with the gold here? I, I think I'd give them a, a 70 to 80% chance, mm-hmm. which okay. is really high. I mean, for, for most teams, you know, going in, that those, you know, they're not getting that high percentage. Sure. So they, they their depth just outweighs everyone else's. Uh, a lot of the teams out there are more top-heavy than the U.S., and you can argue that some of the teams might even have comparable starting lineups. But when it comes to the bench, you know, you have so many guys. Just You can keep pulling off NBA names, like legit NBA names, going up against guys who are, on some in, in some cases, like fringe bench, guy, bench guys on EuroLeague teams. Mm-hmm. And there is a significant difference there. I think yeah, the usual suspects, like Spain, obviously, and, and Greece now with, with Giannis, and France, because they were kind of loaded as well. But yeah, Serbia, to me, is the big one. They have a lot of size, a lot of movement, a lot of shooting. And the confidence level, that's an interesting part, Brandon. I mean, I hadn't heard that one before. Like, <laughs> may God, may God what, what, you, what was it? Like, may God, may God help them. Like, may God help them. Yeah, I, that's fantastic. I love that so much. Um, so so that's, that's interesting. But I also just think that a really solidified passing game, which Serbia will have and does have, that can tear the U.S. apart because they are not accustomed to one another. This is the... This is the one thing with the U.S. Like, you put a lot of different guys in there, and then you just kind of murk it around. There isn't, like, this level of consistency in terms of the roster. It's always, like, who's going to make it? It's going to be, like, 12 different guys for this tournament, 12 different guys for the other tournament, whatever. So there isn't this cohesiveness that other teams have, and I think Serbia is far better in that aspect. I just overall think that the talent level is going to win out because it's just so damn huge. How about you, Brandon? I'm going to stick with what I wrote. I still just think Greece is a team that could really give them trouble. And especially if Giannis is Giannis, that could be a game that could go south very quickly for them. Um, I think Mort hits the nose on it with the points that the Americans should probably still be favored to win. They are honestly the only group with 12 NBA players, so that gives them a leg up on everyone else. But I think we just saw with Australia that one bad game, and especially given the style that this tournament is, where it's win or go home, basically every time you step on the court, is just going to be too much for them. And a team like Greece is waiting in the wings to kind of take them down if they need to. Um, I hope we get Greece-Serbia. I like that game a lot. Like I mentioned before, the exhibition they played, I just think those two teams match up pretty well. Jokic actually didn't play in that exhibition. I think that was kind of a move by the Serbians to kind of not show their full hands just because they respect Greece with Giannis that much. But I could see Greece-Serbia as the top two. And then the third-place team, I'm going to believe in France this year. I think they kind of put it together. We mentioned Elia Kobo. We mentioned Frank Ntilikina. We mentioned Nick Batum. We mentioned Evan Fournier. We mentioned Rudy Gobert. They just have a boatload of talent not to do something big at this event, especially with everyone else kind of being a little bit down, not having the elite of the elite with them. I think this is probably the best group that France could put together, and that should help them get to the medal stage. Um, I know I can look very stupid if the Americans win once again, but I just <laughs> I just think that Greece, Serbia are just at either on par or better than what we brought to China this time around, and yeah. I'm going to lend lend my picks to them. All I know is I am going to be absolutely fascinated if Giannis and Greece runs through this entire tournament and becomes the world champs. I, I'm 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 going to love Twitter when Houston fans are going to go. Well, if James Harden played, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, for sure. It yeah. Well, you know it's going to happen, right? It will be. It could be something similar to like we saw with Slovenia at the Eurobasket a couple of years ago where Doncic was just hands in the way, the best player there, and he helped lead Slovenia to the title. 
I think Greece yep. kind of has like that same that same feel going with Giannis. Speaking of Slovenia, um, we didn't mention them before, but them and Latvia, who have Doncic and Porzingis, are the only two top fifteen teams according to the FIBA World Rank that aren't in this tournament. So honestly, it could have even been better if those two teams were a part of it. Now we don't know, of course, if Doncic, Dragic, and Porzingis would have opted to play or not. But still, this is not even the best group of thirty-two teams that the nation has to offer. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be uh, this whole thing was meant to kind of underscore how difficult the road is for USA this time. And that's not going to be, you know, the usual they steamroll their opponents and have one tough game and then beat everyone else by 30. It, there are some legitimate challengers this time around. And I mean, I think we said this before more, you asked Brandon before we even started recording, but. It's fair to say that Team USA does not have the top two players in this tournament, and possibly even more than that. I mean, Giannis and Jokic are clearly better than anyone on the American side, and then depending on how you feel about Gobert versus Kemba, or I guess Kemba is the best player on Team USA. Um, you know, it might be even further down that list. So clearly, some tough competition there. Um, I did want to ask Brandon because you mentioned Serbia. It, it just reminded me that I've seen some stuff uh, on Twitter from the, the Denver writers in particular who've been following the exhibition season. It seems like Jokic uh, either hasn't played or has been coming off the bench sometimes behind Boban. Do you think that's just like exhibition not showing their full hand, kind of like NFL preseason? You know, teams are running like more vanilla schemes, and then once the tournament starts, we'll see Jokic in the starting lineup playing more minutes or is this just a weird Serbian stubborn like Boban is going to start and Jokic is going to come off the bench I think he'd be kind of a little bit of both um Boban okay. is fun to watch always but when he's in the game specifically they literally just tell him stand by the rim we're going to try and throw you the ball if that doesn't work <laughs> we'll give it to Bojanovic but um as I mentioned before Jokic kind of wasn't even that big of a deal for the Serbian national team a couple of years ago. And he mm-hmm. just suddenly came to the NBA and became this dynamic player. And then with Teo Dosic, they kind of had their playmaker and it kind of ran the offense through him. Without him, I think they kind of get to use Jokic in a different role that's probably more fitting of his talents. Um, I think for the preseason and these exhibitions, I kind of feel like they're not showing their full hand. I honestly think, regardless of who starts, we'll probably see a good five to eight minutes a game of having Boban and Jokic out there, which could be devastating for the rest of the world just because their size alone is not really matched by most rosters. Um, Mm. And I get they'll get to play around kind of with their group. They're playing with Italy, Philippines, Angola. Italy is pretty good. Um, they have, of course, Bellinelli, Gallinari, um, Luigi Dottomi, who had a cup of tea in the NBA. They just have four or five very solid players, Dan or Hackett. Those are the kind of names to remember for them. But I just think they're going to toy around a lot so we won't get a real fill of them until the knockout stage. And then I think they'll go all in with Jokic, with Marjanovic, Bardanovic, and just kind of let those three lead the way. Gotcha. Yeah, well... If the past hour did not underscore this enough, follow Brandon for this tournament because he clearly knows his stuff. So, Brandon, one more time, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. I am at Jefferson underscore hoops on Twitter. You can read me, of course, at the Basketball Writers. I'll be finishing up my preview pieces before the start of the games on the 31st. I also write freelance articles for Fansided at the Step Back. And I cover the Atlanta Hawks for the B-Ball Index. Again, at Jefferson underscore hoops. Follow me. Um, I'll definitely interact. I love, you know, talking basketball. So I'm always open to replies and DMs. Very good. Yeah, please follow Brandon. At, do you have a, a promo code for the basketball writers? I do. Good call. It's Jefferson TBW. Nice. Yeah. So use that. Uh, you get, I think it's 15% off your daily, monthly, or annual subscription. Correct. Bballwriters.com. So yeah, if you want to read, as far as I've seen, this is like the best coverage of this tournament. I, you know, ESPN's doing like nothing on this. And 
with all due respect to Bleacher Report, we've also done nothing on this. Like, the, Brandon's killing it in this. So please, if you want to actually follow basketball these next couple weeks, check out his work at the B-Ball Writers. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Brandon Jefferson. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. Uh, Just wanted to mention right at the end here, if you want to watch the actual World Cup, uh, you can go to livebasketball.tv. It's $10 for a monthly pass. Nice. Got plans for Labor Day weekend? Do they include saving money? Because Labor Day savings at the Home Depot means up to 40% off appliance special buys. Get a quiet-running Whirlpool dishwasher that senses how dirty your dishes are and adapts its cleaning cycle. It's just $378, so you'll save $200. Sounds like a plan. See why with Labor Day savings, today is the day for doing. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through September 11th. Got plans for Labor Day weekend? Do they include saving money? Because Labor Day savings at the Home Depot means up to 40% off appliance special buys. Get a quiet-running Whirlpool dishwasher that senses how dirty your dishes are and adapts its cleaning cycle. It's just $378, so you'll save $200. Sounds like a plan. See why with Labor Day savings, today is the day for doing. The Home Depot. More saving. More doing. U.S. only while supplies last. See store for details valid through September 11th.